This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunatal. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our raw reaction show. Uh, talking to you the day after Arsenal's win against Burnley in the Premier League. I've got some apologies to make. Uh, of course, you guys know this uh, because there was no show this morning at eight a.m. This show is coming to you at eight thirty p.m. Uh, UK time. It was actually going to be quite ironically, and I, I kind of did it on purpose that it was going to be eight tonight and i'll tell you in a second why i'm half an hour late and it's kind of a mad story actually um but it's not that mad it's, it's completely trivial but um i was uh i was at uh an out in london yesterday it was a friend's kind of leaving party uh they're going off to america to, to start a new job which is quite cool um which was great but uh we were staying in an airbnb which had awful wi-fi and uh my, my i just simply did not have um the hotspot either so i made the call to delay it um and so we're here this evening doing the show instead now it was going to be at eight and i ordered my dinner to to arrive about six knowing i had enough time anyway i ordered one pizza it arrives at eight ten so ten past eight in the end i know it was going to be late because i'd rung up already and instead of just a pizza to say story, to, to say sorry, they give me a pizza, garlic bread, cannolis, chicken wings, two bottles of Diet Coke, a Fanta, and they've said that next time I order, I can get a whole free meal as well. Now, I'm not really one for freebies, you know, really, um, unless it's like a code for a VPN service or something like that. Um, but uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to specifically that, I was like, this is just silly. I'm on my own, A, and B, I'm on a diet, so makes no sense like so i just ate my pizza and all the rest is gonna get probably cold i'll see if the neighbors want it maybe but uh yeah it's kind of ridiculous anyway thank you so much guys for tuning in um and again apologies for the uh the tardiness on on my part of the show don't worry i will be here tomorrow morning at 8 a.m to round up all the latest news which to be honest i think is going to be more of an extension on what we've discussed already in, in, in this show because what will happen in the next 12 hours before I do the next show? I'm not quite sure. But sure, we will still be here at 8 a.m. Arsenal beating uh, against Burnley, beating Burnley yesterday. I suppose what I can do and what the benefit of doing today's show slightly later is that we get a better view of what the Premier League looks like. Uh, we get a greater view of what has happened over the course of this weekend because, of course, we've now got Sunday's games having been completed. And uh, we can also talk about the evening's entertainment at Stamford Bridge as well, which we will do. But first of all, we need to go straight into um, specifically the uh, the game that Arsenal played on Saturday, even though I feel like it's not even like the bit, the best part of today's show is talking about the Arsenal game. There's like other things I'm even more excited to talk about. Um, Arsenal 3, Burnley 1, a very important win to continue that momentum. Of course, Arsenal defeat uh, at Newcastle last week was really disappointing. We all know that the game went against us in, in ways that we can't control and managers like, I don't know, Mauricio Pochettino came out and said that you've got to kind of, you know, you got to respect the referees and that he would never, ever run onto a football field, never question a referee's decision with anything other than pure anger. Um, but yes, we were obviously robbed in that game. We all know that the situation that, that transpired in St. James's Park, but it was important that after not only the severe game, 
that we were able to kind of build upon that. And, you know, there's upheaval in the squad. We've got continuous injury problems still. No Martin Odegaard. Of course, Eddie Nketiah was back, but he was on the bench. And, you know, we had to make do. I say make do. That makes it really sound quite harsh as to who was playing. We have to expect, you know, the top performances from those players that come in um, and replace. And Arteta decided to go with, again, Trossard up top, at centre-forward. Um, we had Saka and Martinelli and High Havertz playing in, in the Odegaard role. And uh, there were some performances that stood out, and we're going to talk about them, and there's some performances that, that didn't. But to go more into the specifics, we start with the first goal scorer, Leandro Trossard, showing both bravery and consistency. We are seeing consistency from Leandro Trossard in a centre-forward position. That's two goals in two games and a header. Um, I'm not sure if I can remember Leandro Trossard scoring a header, not just for Arsenal, but ever. So uh, a really good finish and a very brave one as well, because, of course, he was very hurt after he did score that goal. He collided with the post. And, uh, yeah, it really did feel like in the, in the stadium. It was like, it was such a weird one. Like, we'd scored. And it was like the crowd didn't really realise we'd scored and then celebrated and then realised that Trossard was hurt. And he went very quiet again, as we hoped that it wasn't serious. And thankfully, it wasn't. It could, you know, there's a real chance he could have broken his arm in that moment. Posts, are, you know, they're metal poles. They are quite solid things. Um, and so when you collide at them with speed and when you've also been you know, shunted into it as well by uh, James Trafford, who, of course, was only doing what he could to try and stop the goal. He wasn't impeding or doing anything wrong to, to Trossard in that way. It was just kind of a, an unfortunate situation. But uh, a fantastically brave finish uh, from him uh, and another goal playing at centre-forward. And I thought overall it was another good performance. And, of course, that wasn't only uh, that wasn't his only contribution to the game because his cross uh, set up William Saliba as well um, from a corner. And it was a game in which we saw kind of the best parts of, of William Saliba in the sense of we we can see what he does in the opposition box with, with the header from the corner, which is very towering and powerful and everything that you expect from him. But also there was a chance when uh, Burnley went through and he slid in with a fantastic challenge as well. That's two in two. I remember the game against Sevilla where he had a fantastic sliding challenge in that one. It's the speed, the recovery that he has was really, really good. And so we saw the best of, of William Saliba um, and I, I think that, you know, this this kind of iteration of what we're seeing of the player is that there is not really anyone that can hold a candle to him at the moment. He's absolutely unbelievably good, and we're so incredibly lucky to have him. So incredibly lucky to have William Saliba. So, overall, I was overjoyed uh, with his performance once again and the example that he continues to show to the rest of his teammates. Um, we have, though, to talk about Alexander Zinchenko. Uh, Zinchenko was... Utterly exceptional on the day. Um, his numbers from the game, you know, when you look at, I know his goal was fantastic. And, you know, when you're coming out with a a flying kick of a strike like, like Zinchenko had in, in that moment, that's obviously going to take all of the attention away from anything else. And it was a fantastic finish. But even without the goal, we can talk about the performance because a lot of what, a lot of the talk around Zinchenko on the football field has been about you know, that he's not necessarily as good as he maybe has been for us. He's not as influential as he has been. That Tommy Asu seems like the more obvious choice right now if everybody is fit. And if Urien Timber was, of course, fit, then maybe he would be starting because Zinchenko's not necessarily been as good as what we've come to expect from the Ukrainian international. However, let me read through these metrics for you. Most touches, 116. Most passes into the final third, 45. I'm going to read that for you one more time, just so it really sinks in. Most passes into the final third, it's a progressive pass into the attacking third, the defensive third of the opposition's field, 45 times. Incredible. Most final third entries, so that's him taking the ball into the final third, 17 times. Most duels won. Now, these are the stats that I'm actually most impressed by, because Zinchenko gets a lot of you know, scrutiny for his defensive work. He gets a lot of scrutiny for what he does um, in his own defensive third and that we always talk about how there's vulnerabilities in our game with Zinchenko there. So most duels won, 14. Most aerial duels won. Aerial duels, seven. Most tackles with five as well. Absolutely fantastic performance. A really much needed performance. Uh, I spoke to him after the game as well and you're going to get some of those quotes a little bit later on tonight. Um and uh, he obviously has a very, very important international break coming up because Ukraine face Italy in a playoff. Um, 
one that would be massive and hopefully he and Ukraine uh, win that. I would much rather see uh, Ukraine at next uh, the next European Championship tournament. So I look forward to that. Not because I'm a salty England fan at all that was knocked out by Italy <laughs> in the final. Um, there was a bit of a downer in the game and that was obviously the, the red card. It didn't really have a bearing on the, the game in the end or the scoreline or even the performance of either team. But Fabio Vieira, of course, saw red for a, a red card challenge. Like, I can't be... I can't have any complaints about this. I can't have any frustrations about this. It was a red card. Uh, it's, a, it's as plain and simple as that. Fabio Vieira deserved to be sent off. Uh, I would be asking for a red card if it was another player uh, of another team or one of our players. And it's a red card. He's, he's gone in. He's late. He's missed, the, he's missed the ball completely. His studs down or on another player on their knee, which is you know never a place you really want to get an, an a contact and impact injury. And um, it was... Completely innocent. You know, I don't think there's any maliciousness about it. I think that's important to stress. There's no maliciousness about that challenge. Um, it's just a really, you know, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. And uh, he missed the ball and, and connected with the player and uh, deserved the, the sending off. But uh, yeah, yet another, I, I know red cards and Arteta are associated quite a bit. And that's our second red card this season. Bearing in mind, we didn't have any red cards last season. Um, we've had two this year. Obviously, I don't think Tommy Asu deservedly was red, um, but this one certainly was. But I think that we have still got over that. I don't think that Arsenal should be associated with being a dirty team that gets red cards here, there and, and left and right or whatever, because I think we have grown out of that habit. And, and the red cards we have got have been, in this case, a little bit unlucky, um, not because it wasn't a red, but just because of the situation. And then, of course, um, the... Uh, the Tommy Asu one, I don't think, is a red card. So, yeah, I, I don't think it is necessarily uh, too bad uh, of a situation to be concerned about. Now, I enjoyed a lot of what I heard from Mikel Arteta after the game. Um, you probably had the opportunity of reading or seeing some of his comments that he made. He was asked about Fabio Vieira's red card, and he was very, very poignant. Um, in in making sure that we as journalists and as commentators talk about um, the the red card, um, he says, and he was asked about the he was asked about the VR red card. He says, "I'm really happy with the result, especially with the performance after playing 72 hours ago with the last three games. How we played against Newcastle, how we played against Sevilla, how we played today, how dominant we were against teams who are very hard to dominate." Uh, and the amount of situations that we dominated, I think we fully deserve to win the game. With the red card, yes. Thank you for asking me. VAR was right. And the referee was right. Really good decision. Really positive from Mikel to speak about that. Good decision. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I absolutely adore it. I like the fact that he's, he's embodying a little bit of the... The villain, because he is a bit of a villain to, to the rival fans and some pundits as well. And I don't mind him doing that. I, I don't mind him doing that. I know some people don't necessarily like the whole siege mentality and, you know, the world against Arsenal and stuff like that. But I, I do genuinely think that Arteta is that type of coach that can use these situations to his benefit. That he can use the fact that the world's against Arsenal and can use that to motivate players. I, I love the sarcasm. I love the, the childishness of it. I really do like it. Some people won't, you know, and I, I absolutely empathise with your points of view and I know that people have different views on, on everything. But I like this. I really do like this. Um, and uh, call me petulant, and I am, and I can be very petty myself, um, as many will know. But I quite liked that from from Arteta. So, yeah, if you haven't watched the interview post-match or haven't been able to catch the... Uh, uh, the um, the post-match press conference, I, I recommend that you do because it was it was great and it was really, really good to uh, to see. He was asked um, about Ben White. Of course, Ben White was missing uh, from the game. Very frustrating for us. Uh, he said yesterday in training he was uncomfortable. He didn't look right, but Ben won't give you much. Um, he always wants to be on the pitch and always wants to hide anything that is in there. But we highlighted it. We noticed in the last few weeks as well something in there and we wanted to protect him today. It was the right call from the from the physios and the medical department and tomorrow we will assess him and understand what's happening. So hopefully everything's fine. I think Arteta sums it up perfectly. Ben White is a player that, as we know, will hide things. He will play through pain. He will not bring up injuries because he just thinks he's, he's Superman and he can do whatever he wants. Um, and I like that quality, but it is also a risky quality. It can be a naive quality and you need to protect the player and I think the club... 
uh, did manage to do that. Uh, on Erdegaard, he says, I don't know. I'm going to have a meeting now with the medical department to understand everybody's situation. I think he's going to be back after the international break, but I don't know exactly what the decision is and the communication at the moment. So we're still awaiting um, updates on, on Erdegaard and what's going on with him. Uh, hopefully, um, he this this situation resolves itself very quickly and we can have him back after the international break. He's not expected to take part uh, with the Norway national side, so he's got a couple of weeks to, to fully recover and hopefully we'll have Erdegaard back for this run of games in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yes, that's Arteta. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, if you're listening on audio, there was a pause there just so I could smile for a brief moment. Because um, sometimes things are best appreciated when you say nothing and you can just look at the despair and the tears and the realisation that maybe, just maybe, Tottenham Hotspur aren't as good as what other people might think that they are. That just quite possibly that they aren't title challengers. That despite the fact that they have been raved about as this incredible side that are being coached and managed by arguably the greatest human to ever exist, who has never done anything wrong, has never contradicted himself once in a press conference, not once. And despite all of those things, Arsenal are currently above them in the table, uh, is, uh, is where we're at with that one. So, unlucky Spurs. <laughs> I really have wound Spurs fans up over the last few days. I know a couple of articles that have gone, I don't want to say viral, but, you know, I'm talking like, a tweet of mine got 1.8 million engagements. Like, that's stupid. And the reason it got that many engagement is because it was shared by a silly number of Spurs supporters. I did another one, an article talking about how they, how kind of Arsenal been robbed of the manager of the month award, which is a bit tongue-in-cheek piece and then also a little bit like, come on, seriously? Um, <laughs> and that was, I got something like 800,000 uh, kind of views on it. Absolutely mental. Um, but you just got to enjoy it. You just got to enjoy the fact that the elephant is falling from the top of the tree. Um, and I've been saying for quite some time that luck can and always will run out eventually because they have been lucky. They've been incredibly lucky. So fortuitous is what they have been. Um, and I just, I'm so happy that it's being that, that it's being exposed. That yes, they've lost key players like Madison and Romero and Van der Ven, and it's taken them to lose those players before they've slipped up. But let's be real, they've deserved to slip up way earlier than this. Sheffield United at home, the Liverpool VAR controversy, scraping through against a Luton side that could not hit a cow's backside with a banjo. If that's the saying, I think it is. <laughs> when it was like an open goal and Adebayo missed it from like two yards, like it, they have been so lucky. So, so lucky. And so it was so, so gloriously perfect. And I'll be very honest, in that press lounge, as we watched the game and I was sitting next to a couple of uh, pals in there and I, I think I might have been the most audible at reacting to the uh, to the winner. So, but I don't regret a thing. It was it was brilliant. Loved it. Um, and then, of course, the kind of final thing to touch upon before we go to part two and your thoughts and your questions in the chat box is... Um, is this this tonight's game that we watched a quite ridiculous 4-4 draw at Stamford Bridge. Now, when we drew at Chelsea, a lot of the rhetoric was constantly about how this is a bad result for Arsenal and that Arsenal should have battered Chelsea and that, you know, we played poorly and, you know, it's a big sign of, you know, Arsenal aren't the side that they were last season and Arsenal, this Arsenal side can't compete for a title and X, Y, Z. I don't think that draw... Is that bad of a result? I don't think that draw is looking all that bad at all, to be honest. Um, and I think that if Arsenal maybe had turned up for a little bit more than the 15 minutes than we did, and had maybe Chelsea had a tiny, teeny, weeny little bit of bad luck that they didn't get because they were constantly just throwing in ridiculous goals that were so fluky or getting penalties that weren't penalties and not getting red cards that, that should have been red cards. You know, um, I think that game will be looked back upon as a good point, especially if Arsenal are able to win at home against Chelsea. I think that that game will be looked upon as a very good point um, at Stamford Bridge. But the game between Chelsea and Man City, my goodness me, what a great advert. You know, I, I really moaned about Monday night's game last week about Spurs-Chelsea because it was a terrible game. Like, it's good for the television, but in terms of football, it was a terrible football match. And, and people describe it as an advert for the Premier League. That's not an advert for the Premier League. 
It's not an advert for the Premier That is a deterrent of the Premier League. Like, <laughs> it's an awful game of football. This, this was a good game of football. This had everything. This had great goals. It had narrative. It had, you know, penalties. It had VAR. It had uh, kind of controversy. It had Jamie Carragher saying that something was categorically a handball when it hit a player in the face. It had everything. Um, and ultimately, it ends up helping Arsenal quite a lot. And also, Cole Palmer's in my fantasy team. <laughs> I say that because I know people that hate fantasy football listen in, like Mike, our good pal Mike, who hates fantasy football and hates the fact that anyone who supports another team could be quite happy when someone from another team scores a goal. I like just winding him up about it, to be honest. So I keep bringing it up. But uh, yeah, and it's, there's the narrative, the irony that it's Cole Palmer that scores the fourth goal. Of course, another player that Pep Guardiola has let leave. Sterling, of course, scoring the first Chelsea goal. Um, yeah, just really, uh, sorry, the second Chelsea goal, really enjoyable game, uh, fantastic watch, great drama, and obviously leaves the Premier League table looking very, very interesting indeed, because Arsenal now are just um, one point uh, behind Manchester City, who sit on 28 points at the top of the league table. They play Liverpool next week. So Liverpool who currently sit in second, and they sit in second for goals scored. Uh, I believe they've scored 27. Arsenal scored 26. Um, that's the only reason why we're not in second place. Uh, title challenge in Tottenham, um, who are top of the table no longer. They're in fourth um, in the league. They're on 26. And then you've got Aston Villa on 25 points. And then the biggest frauds of all, the biggest frauds in the entire league, more so, I think, even maybe than Spurs. And that takes some doing. But Manchester United are somehow sixth. I don't quite know how they're sixth, but they're sixth. And I think that speaks to the rest of the league. I mean, how you can sit as Eddie Howe in Newcastle and be behind Manchester, I don't know. I don't know how Newcastle are not <laughs> in front of that Manchester United team who scraped by Luton Town this weekend, of course. So, yes, uh, somehow Man United are the sixth best team at the moment in the Premier League, but they're still quite away uh, off the pack of teams that are at the top of the table. Uh, Aston Villa, of course, winning... Once again, Ollie Watkins also again getting on the score sheet. Arsenal play Aston Villa next month uh, at the Villa Park. So that's that's obviously going to be a very, very interesting one. Yeah, I love that comment from Jack and my captain in the chat box. Manchester United are in sixth and I've got a goal difference of minus three. Minus three, right? To get a team that's got a worse goal difference than Manchester United, you've got to go down to 12th, which is Wolves. <laughs> It's kind of crazy. Very, very crazy indeed. Anyway, um, we're going to go to part two and we're going to tackle your comments in the chat box right after this. All right, then. Um, yeah, let's jump into the chat, shall we? And tackle some of your thoughts uh, from yesterday because it's all from you know going forwards. You know, anything that you've got to talk about, anything you want to throw at me, um, throw it into the chat box and we'll uh, we'll be tackling it as, as much as feasibly possible um, within reason. Uh, RKM says Liverpool are looking solid. They're tired with Arsenal and the fewest goals allowed. Do they have their midfield sorted? It looks like a three-way race. And I think that it's probably fair to expect it will be uh, a three-way race because Liverpool are an excellent football team. Uh, and last season, they wasn't in it. You know, they just didn't have the same kind of verve and a attacking vigour, if you like, and they weren't able to kind of hold teams at bay and they were disappointing. And that's why they fell out of the Champions League places and they don't have Champions League football this season so they can rotate more consistently in those midweek games if they want to. Um, Salah's looking a lot better than he was last season. Salah is seemingly and has found his best form again. So... Yeah, Liverpool are very much involved. We're going to have to go to Anfield on the 23rd of December and avoid losing. You know, I really think that if we're going to win the league this season, we're going to have to get a very good result against Liverpool in both games. And so we need to make sure that we can try and do that. Um, ben White says, and Ben White, thank you for joining me. So I hope that you recover very quickly. Um, Chelsea are looking a force, Tom. Uh, yeah, they're looking better. And as I said earlier on, as we were discussing, I think that point at Stamford Bridge is going to be something that maybe we look at more favourably. You know, I think we're going to look at it a little bit more like a good point rather than two points dropped uh, in the end. So they are looking better. I think they've got a good chance of 
are finishing in the top six still, um, and they will start to push up the table as they continue to build this momentum going forwards. Um, Nunan says, uh, do you think that the rise in form for Trossard will cool our interest for a striker in January? Uh, I don't think there is any interest in a striker in January. Not, not okay. That might be too harsh. I can't foresee Arsenal signing a striker in January, and I couldn't foresee them signing a striker in January even before Trossard moved to centre forward. So those that were getting their hopes up about Arsenal signing a striker in January, I just don't think that's what Arsenal would be looking to do. I think that there are other areas that Arsenal would be looking to sign a player in well ahead of uh, of a centre forward in January. I think summer is much more likely for us to sign a striker then. I could be wrong, and I hold my hands up if I am. I just I just can't quite see it. Um, so there you go. Uh, Ant says, Tom, I think the team needs to be commended to think that we are without the core of our squad, yet we haven't dropped off a great deal. And that's a credit to the team and to Arteta. Um, without question, this Arsenal team has always, always, always been in a situation where people aren't rating them. They're not clicking yet. They're not fluid. There's more to come from them. They're not good enough. They're not as good as last season. They're still learning. They're trying to integrate players. They've got too many injuries. And yet we sit one point off Manchester City, who we have beaten this season. You'd have to be mad to be criticising this club this year. Like, genuinely mad. Like, something potentially wrong. <laughs> I just... I can't, I can't understand how anyone's brain can come to the conclusion that this is an Arsenal team that needs to be criticised this season. Because what we have done considering all of the things that have gone against us, be that VAR horrendous errors, be that horrific injury luck that has cost us players in big games, like losing Saka against Man City and Martinelli not being able to start that game. You know, you'd have to be mad to be criticising or questioning this club this season. You really would. Uh, John says, the goal difference will be very important come the end of the season. We need to score as many goals as possible against the bottom teams. No sitting back when we're three goals up. Yeah, I agree. I think, obviously, John was affected by the red card. Um, We may have gone on to score a fourth or a fifth, but uh, I think the red card obviously changed things for us. So I, I can't be too critical of the fact that we didn't win by more. But I think you're right. We do need to obviously just absolutely batter teams when we can. We're not going to get that opportunity all the time. So we need to try and take that if the opportunity arises. And we did that recently. We, we have done that. You know, we smashed PSV 4-0. We smashed Bournemouth 4-0. We smashed Sheffield United 5-0. We can do it. We aren't capable of doing it. So, yeah, I do think that's that's the way forward. Uh, Ames says, with eight injuries, I'm really, really looking forward to this international break. Yes, I think, Ames, it comes at the perfect time for us. Uh, I think it comes at a time in which Arsenal can rest, we can recover, uh, Udegaard can hopefully recover from whatever he's suffering from. Um, players like Gabriel Jesus will hopefully be back uh, as well after the break because there's, you know, I mean, the Brazilian national side, I've called him up. Arteta did speak after the game and said he's not ready, you know, so he was a bit befuzzled and confused and bemused by the fact he was called up. He, I don't think he will Tra- I'd be surprised if he travels um, because, you know, I mean, Edu's got obviously very good links with the Brazilian national side, so hopefully that gets sorted out. Um, yeah, let's 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 see. Uh, let's see on that one. But yeah, of course, uh, we hope that that gives us the opportunity to, to see players recover. Smith-Rowe, of course, is still out as well. We don't really have too many in the way of details about that injury yet um, and uh, kind of a length of time. And, and Partey, of course, is apparently targeting late December uh, as a potential return. Um, but we'll have to wait and see if that one comes to the fore as well um let's go to salahuddin says fluidity is only known in physics <laughs> it's also an adjective um Randy says is trossard left wing version of jesus it feels very much like this to me it's a really good comparison actually i like that you know jesus i think is much better as a uh yeah as a center forward but also i think the fact he plays on the right i don't really like jesus on the left and i think you're right Rand said yes i think trossard is a very similar dynamic creative technical player, technical centre-forward that can play out in that wide left position as well. Abu says, I would take another right wide forward. We've needed competition for Saka for quite some time. I agree. That is absolutely what I would do in January is I'd sign a centre midfielder. And then if we've got the ability to do it, I'd go and sign a right-sided inverted player. Um, Jay says, if you could buy one player in each position, who would they be? That's a hell of a question, Jay. Uh, that's, um, 
that's a big, big question. That's asking me to sign a player in, in 11 roles. Uh, it would take me quite some time. But to be realistic, and I'll kind of repeat what I've said before, if I can sign players in January that are realistic, you know, Yusuf Afana would be my midfielder that I'd sign. If I could sign a centre-forward, which I don't think we're doing January, but at the moment, my mind is at Santiago Jimenez and Benjamin Sesco. They're the kind of ones that I'm looking at a bit more, and, and Victor Boniface. Um, so they're, they're the ones I'm really looking at. And then you've got... Uh, the right wing, which I like Pedro Neto, but of course there is injury worries regarding him. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled uh, on, on that one. Uh, Eloy says, hey Tom, first live show. Thanks for all the content. What are your thoughts on Zinni playing in midfield? Cheers from Florida. He, yeah, Zinni playing in midfield. I mean, he basically does the role now when he plays and starts at left back, doesn't he? He basically plays um, into midfield. And it is a role that I think suits him. He obviously plays it for Ukraine um, and he plays it very well. So I think there is scope for it, but there wasn't scope for it really yesterday because Tommy Asu had to play because Ben White was out. And so if you're going to play Zinni in midfield, I think you probably play Tommy Asu there. But he, he obviously in that game against Sevilla, he ended up in the right wing position when Saka came off at the end of the game. So he's a very versatile player and can do plenty of different things. Uh, Sabro says, am I the only one that's given up on Vieira? I feel like he's lacked something in terms of composure and consistency. I would rather upgrade on him. You're probably not the only one. No, I'm sure there's lots of people that gave up on him pretty early on in his career at Arsenal. But he had a really good start to this season um, and was making impacts from the bench. But there's just always a bit of a question mark about Vieira, about what he brings, about what he's going to bring in the future and whether he has a future at Arsenal. Is he, her? Is he another Lakonga? Is he another Tavares? Or is he you know, a player that could bloom maybe a little bit later on? Um, is he someone that we have to kind of keep faith with for a bit before they um, mature? I think, you know, Tommy Asu and Ben White to some degrees have done that. I mean, Tom, Ben White obviously um, started off his time at Arsenal in quite questionable fashion in that Brentford game, but very quickly turned things around. But it's been not, it's nowhere near as quick as it is for Vieira, you know. So let's see. Uh, let's see what happens with, with him. Um Alina says, Tom, do you think the atmosphere has gone down because of uh, the Ashburton Army? I assume that's because they've, they've limited the capacity of, of the Ashburton Army. I mean, correlation is not the same as causation. It's worth pointing out always. And just because they have limited the Ashburton Army's presence in the stadium doesn't necessarily mean because the atmosphere has got poorer this season that that's the reason. Um, but there is a correlation, um, but it doesn't mean that it is causation. Uh, so in my opinion halving the size of it i think the dip in atmosphere in the ground has been more than just half i personally think this comes down to i think it's a mindset i think it's a mentality i think that last season it was such a surprise that we were in a title race and stick me stick with me on this and i'll try and explain this theory as best i can um there was such a surprise and such a euphoria about Arsenal being in a title challenge, despite the fact that it didn't look like we would do that. I think that because there was such a hype around it, that every game was like, you know, us against the world and, you know, we're fighting for it. Everyone's really up for it, you know. And this season, that's changed. The, the, the rhetoric around Arsenal has changed because... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There is an expectation. So when you play Burnley at home, you're expected to win. And it's not like when we, you know, when we go into a game... Uh, against a team last season where, you know, we were going up against Man City in our heads every single weekend and going against the odds. So there was a real kind of, you know, it was a real visceral nature to the atmosphere every single game. But that that hasn't been the case this season. And I do think that um, it's it's because it's people are kind of looking at this as a normality. Uh, I think MM says this here, positive vibes felt great and now it's the norm. And I think this is a fair point. I think it probably falls in line with where my head's at. Um, I think that 
people have kind of acclimatized to the fact that we're a team that competes for the title. And when you do that, every game isn't like you're facing Man City in your mind uh, as fans. It's, you, you then look at the opponent more. You look at the, who you're facing and it's Burnley and you're like, well, it's Burnley. We're going to win. And I'll be very honest, like there's been games this season that we have won comfortably. Sheffield United. Sheffield United, we won 5-0. It was a really dull game. And I don't care because we won. And winning is always the most important thing. But there was it was it was a really dead game that that Sheffield United match that we won five 0 The atmosphere was dead, and this Burnley game was dead. And I mean, even the Sevilla game, like the atmosphere from the Champions. I remember going into that game against PSV. I remember being in the crowd, uh, sorry, being in the press box for the the PSV game, and the Champions League music playing. That's washed away very quickly. So I'm going to say no. I don't think it is due. I think that there's definitely, you can't not say that there's been not some diminishment of the atmosphere because the Ashburton Army's presence has uh, been uh, decreased. Uh, You'd be lying if you said it hasn't decreased somewhat because less of those, less of the noisiest people in the ground in the stadium means there is naturally going to be less noise. I also don't buy into the theory of the ballot being the reason behind um, why that the, the atmosphere has kind of dipped. Uh, I've had a few people talk to me about that and suggest that's the reason. And I've replied saying, well, why can you provide more context than that? And what I hear and what is suggested to me is that the ballot system means that there are more tourists in the ground. Now, I, again, have a, have a problem with this theory because I went to nearly every home game last season. And I can tell you that there were tourists at every single game I attended. And by the way, I want to make it clear, there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with someone from somewhere else in the world going to Arsenal. In fact, like calling them tourists is is a little bit, I find it a little bit um, dismissive of them. They're not tourists. They're Arsenal fans, you know. Uh, Some of them, sure. You might find the odd person that's um, gone to the game because they're going to see a, a football match. They've never seen that. Um, and they might be going as a self-proclaimed tourist, in which case, fair enough. If they, if that's what they call themselves a tourist, then fine. But I think that there is a conflation because I think some people call fans from abroad tourists at games. And in my head, that's wrong. Because if you're from outside of London and you come to watch Arsenal, you're an Arsenal fan and, and you're coming to watch it because they're the club that you love, they're the club that you support. You're not a tourist. You're part of the family. That's how it works. So um, I don't get that argument because, as I say, I've been, I was at last season. The atmosphere was great. And there were loads of people that came from outside of, of, of London to watch games. Or there were people that were there with their selfie sticks. Not really. Don't, no one really uses selfie sticks anymore. Or they were there with their phones out in their hands, you know. Um, and the atmosphere was still great. So I don't, I don't think that theory works. You know, um, and um, Anasimos says, what is this waffle, Tom? Don't see a waffle. Anyone see one? I don't see one. I wasn't waffling at all. I was being very succinct with what I was saying. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I don't think that uh, I don't think that that's that theory works personally. I think I've given a fair explanation as to as to why. Uh, Brad says, I sat next to a guy from the US that goes more games than me. Uh, we're just fans. Absolutely. I, I really hate it when there's this like this need to separate um, fans from one another. Like I've been to more games than you, so I'm better than you. I'm more loyal than you. I deserve a ticket more than you. It's like oh, just that that view can just kind of get in the bin for me. Like I I don't get why we need to. It's not a competition. Like, you're as much of an Arsenal fan as anyone else if you go to a game. If you support the club, if you've never been to a game in your life, I know plenty of fans that have, have not had that privilege of going to a game. They're as much of a fan as, as as I am that goes to plenty. Like, it's not, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm very lucky because I'm in a very fortunate position at the moment of being able to do that. So, yeah, I don't really get that one. Don't don't get that one at all. Okay, so Tom's going full ass blog. Hey, look, if I'm going full Andrew, that's a compliment. I'll take that. All day long. Uh, MM says, have Brighton been found out? Puts perspective on always evolving. Um, I mean, Brighton, as a side, are trying to evolve. And the problem that, you know, we talk about always evolving and I talk about it, you know, with Arsenal. That's why you brought it up, I'm assuming, MM. Um, But the difference between Brighton and Arsenal is that Brighton, Arsenal don't lose all their best players every summer. You know, 
Arsenal aren't constantly churning through talent and players and having to find, um, you know, the little gems that they can get for 5 million, 10 million quid. They're now in a position, Brighton, where, you know, they, they, they can't do that. You know, they can't, they can't necessarily do that because they'll get not found out, but teams won't allow them to do that. You know, they're Brighton now, they're Europa League Brighton. So if you're coming in as Europa League Brighton to a club and saying, I want this guy, we, we think he's great, we'll give you a few million. They're like, no, you're a Premier League club playing in Europe. You'll pay the premium. So at the end of the day, that's why they have paid like 27 odd million. I know Jao Pedro's playing the championship, but like, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're having to pay a significant amount of money for those players. Um, so I, I don't know if it's about evolving. I think it's more to do with Brighton because eventually, if you keep losing your best players every single season, you're going to feel the impact of that. So I get where you were coming from, but I think it's more to do with the fact that they just keep losing their best players over and over and over again. Uh, Levinate says, Tom, what are your thoughts on Sehu Galassi? Uh, what your uh, rumours are he might leave in January. My thoughts are that he's just not the right age profile for Arsenal. I think he's the type of player that I think you can see a mid-table Premier League team going in for, maybe a team down the bottom end of the Premier League going in for because they think his goals will save them. Um, he's having a brilliant season for Stuttgart, of course, but I don't think he's the right person for Arsenal. Uh, Arjun says, Tom, where do you have your pre-match pints? I met Charles, Watch, uh, Charles Watts in the fullback Saturday. Um, can't beat that spot for a pint. Um, I mean, I work, so I'm not having a pint before the game. Um, but uh, I know plenty of fans, obviously, that go to the tolly, uh, that go to the 12 pin. Sometimes I, if I'm walking past, I can poke my head in if I see someone I know. Um, but uh, yeah, that's usually Archie where people, I think, congregate and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. Charles loves a pre-match pint. Even when he doesn't want one, you can tempt him into getting one. Uh, John says, Brighton, losing players every season means no chance to build a project where players gel more and more into a cohesive team every season is back to the drawing ward, uh, aka pointless. Yes, and it's very difficult to do that. And that's why they don't want to sell those players. That's why Matoma and Ferguson have signed brand new contracts. You know, that's that's why that's happened. Um, DMZ says, rumours on Tony. Again, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk about Tony. Do I have to talk about Tony every single show? Everyone knows my thoughts on Tony by now. You can recite them. Like the Lord's Prayer. You can recite them now. Perfect. I mean, I can, every word of the Lord's Prayer sticks in my mind from my childhood. And you should be able to now recite Tom's words about Tony without question. Um, <laughs> forever an Arsenal fan says, hey, Tom, will you be watching the live action Last Airbender show on Netflix. No, uh, I, I didn't watch it as a kid. Uh, you can judge me all you like. I know it's very popular. It just wasn't something I watched. So no, but again, I don't mind answering these social questions. Uh, King says, Tom, would you take Neves on a six-month loan as he can play to six and the eight? Yes. Yes, I would. I would take Neves on a six-month loan. Um, I, I think it's a no-brainer. If you can do that, if you can get Ruben Neves on loan until the end of the season, do it. Put an option in there to buy. And yeah. Yeah, do that deal. Um, Arkham says, it was a compliment. Uh, I watch you every morning with my coffee from the US, North Carolina, and that was top-level waffle. <laughs> uh, my wife even knows your intro. Hello and welcome. Yes. And I'm sure at our live event on the 22nd of February, I'll be doing that as well. Ticket information to come out in the next week or two. Um, let's go to Ems says, uh, hi, Tom. Uh, do you think Douglas Louise is right for Arsenal or should we look at Zubamendi? I think that, of the two, it's better that we go for a more f like box-to-box -box midfielder because I think Rice's future is very much at six. And I know he's playing eight now. I think he's doing a great job. And I think he can play that role. And I think when he picks the ball up and takes it off opposition players in the opponent's half, I'm like, what can't this guy do? He's amazing. He's world-class. And there's no one that can now... Oh, oh, goodness me. Every time I talk about Declan Rice, it makes me think back to the summer where I had to like argue with fans in my comment section saying that why are we spending a hundred plus million on rice? We've got Partey. Why are we spending all this money on this guy? He's average. You go back through the comments in the summer of our transfer shows, you will find plenty of people that left comments. Like we don't know when the saga for rice was going on and we bid a hundred million. We're like, why are we bidding this much? This is silly. It's not worth it. Where are these people holding their hands up? Where are these people coming back and saying I was wrong? He's world-class. I'm so glad we bought him. Come on, you know, show it. But yeah, I think that's why I'd rather someone like Louise because I just think that, I'm not saying Louise is the guy because I'd rather a Fafana, but 
I think we're better going for the box to box. I think we're lacking that ever since we lost um, Xhaka. You know, I think we've we've lost that kind of presence as a box to box midfielder that can do it in both directions since he left, and we haven't we haven't replaced that. So I think that's important to to consider. Uh, Sabre says, "What do you think of people saying that Palmer is the best left-footed attacker in the league this season? It's nonsense." He scored a lot of penalties. He's been good. You know, you can't say he hasn't been good. You can't say that he wouldn't have been a good signing for us. I think Cole Palmer's proven that he would have been a good signing uh, for us in the short space of time that we've had him. He's been better than Havertz. There's no much argument about that. Has he been better than Odegaard's? Maybe. I mean, Odegaard's still got, what, how many goals this season? Still, I think, five, something like that. He's also had penalties like Palmer. Um are you saying, like, are you include if you're saying left-footed attackers, are you including Saka in that? Are you including Salah in that? You including Haaland in that, <laughs> you know, very, very difficult, isn't it? Very difficult to suddenly be as as bra- uh, broad, as uh, vague as that. So there you go. Um, DMD says Arsenal women, six goals in the second half. Utterly fantastic. If you haven't seen Caitlin Ford's goal, please go and check it out. Fantastic strike and finish. Um, and says Tom's dream transfer in January, Tony and Douglas Lewis. <laughs> It's like you can read me like a book, Ant. <laughs> know my thoughts inside and out. Um, Malcolm says, no one cares about the women's team. Malcolm, I care. And a lot of people in here care. And if you don't, it's your choice. Go spout your bollocks somewhere else. I really couldn't give a toss for it. Um, old Dave says, the difference between Caicedo and Rice is astounding. Even a tourist can tell the difference. <laughs> the irony. Um I think that uh, I think when it comes down to what Caicedo is doing at Chelsea, he's going to be very much kind of a, a grower in the team. Um, I think he's going to be a um, somebody that has to kind of acclimatise that level at Chelsea. I know that they're performing under a level that Brighton are, ironically, but I think you know that um, I think Caicedo will become very very good. But I think Rice is is a better player, and I'm glad that we signed him uh, over the Ecuadorian international. Um, and Asimov says, yes, finally caught the women's game. Very impressed with the second half. Could have had 10. Uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, apologies that this, this show kind of crossed over uh, with that as well. It's It's been impossible to schedule it anywhere else. And I wanted to make sure I got this out for you guys uh, before tomorrow. Um, Alina says, Tom, what are your thoughts on Mark Goldbridge? Um, we're getting all the random questions. I like it. You can throw, throw your questions at me. I, I don't mind talking about this. I like Mark. Uh, I, I disagree with some of his points of view. Uh, I disagree with some of his actions, um, but I, you know, I, I, can't, I think he defends Arsenal quite well at times. I think he's entertaining. Um, I, I quite like watching back the, is it the Mark Goldbridge Clips Twitter account? Uh, Mark's been on the show. Uh, I've chatted with Mark. He's a nice guy. Uh, he's a nice fella. So yeah, I, I, I quite like Mark Goldbridge. So yeah, he's, he's very entertaining. I haven't really got a bad word to say about him uh, at all. Uh, Fahim says, hi Tom, just a general question, not necessarily Arsenal, but the way fullbacks are playing now, do you still believe a right footer playing right back and a left footer at left back will no longer be the norm? It's a good question, Fahim. And I think that we will see a lot less and less of it being kind of just the assured thing that a right footer will be on the right. I think it's more to do with profile, more to do with philosophy, system, style, profile, all those things. I think, it, you know, where a manager wants to put you, uh, as long as you can perform in that role and you can do the duties that you've been asked to do, it doesn't necessarily matter. I used to talk about a lot about kind of the, the, the reason behind why you have a right foot or on the right and a left foot on the left in terms of centre-backs. But for full-backs, I don't think it's... I think centre-backs, there's a lot more reasons to play a more natural-sided, footed player on the right side in, in centre-half positions, but far less for now for, for full-backs. Because the uh, the role has changed so considerably. Um, <laughs> Mark Goldbridge's reactions when United lose are the funniest. Although I have to say I did enjoy Expressions's video uh, from the Wolves game. Uh, I did enjoy watching that. That was very. Andre says, "What are your thoughts on pineapple on pizza?" Andre, honestly, mate, you're lucky to still be in the chat box asking me that question. As uh, as an Italian food. I love it. I adore it. It's my number one go-to. As I said, I had a pizza before I came on it. Um, yeah, just no. It's just wrong. <laughs> it's just wrong on so many levels. Like it's just yeah, no. And you know what? I was, you know, I learned something the other day that really bugs me. And this is this is so so trivial. Like you're actually going to be so annoyed. I've even brought this up. But some of you will do this, and it links into this question about Italian food, right? 
if you keep tomatoes, <laughs> yeah, this is where we're going. If you keep tomatoes in the fridge, nah, 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 nope, no, 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 no. Tomatoes don't go in the fridge, guys. <laughs> don't put your tomatoes in the fridge. If you've learned anything from today's show, this is a very serious football podcast, obviously, where we talk objectively and honestly and clearly and thoughtfully about football. If you take one thing away from today's show, it's that you don't put tomatoes in the fridge. You just you just don't do it. Okay? So for those that have got know that they're watching this and sitting in that fridge, take them out. Take them out of your fridge and put them on the side. That's that's where they belong. Honestly, goodness me. Um, just a friend of mine said that they, you know, they, they, I was around someone's house and they took them out. And I was like, what are you doing? What the hell are you? Why am I still going on about tomorrow's? Let's move this off. Uh, Rob says, any idea? Let's bring this back to football. Any idea when 115 FFP charges will A, finally go to court and B, get through the appeals and C, City get penalised and D, will titles be taken away with other measures? Rob, I can answer all those questions with one very simple answer. And you know what it is. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know when it will go anywhere. I don't know if it will get appealed. I don't know if they'll get penalised. I don't know what the ramifications of it will be. Uh, what I do know and what I can tell you is that we are a long, 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 long way of uh, of finding out about it. We are a long way off finding out about it. Um, so, yeah, do not hold your breath uh, to get an answer on that one because... We're a long, long way away from it. Uh, Godwin says, is Ivan Tony just a tall version of Enketia? He does not have the collaboration that he's needed to require in an Arteta system. I, I don't know. I think saying he's a taller Enketia is a bit harsh. Um, Tony is better than Enketia. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that. I think that they're very similar statistics, of course, and we've talked about on the channel, which is one of the arguments I have for not wanting to sign him necessarily. But he, there's no bones about it. He's a better player than, than Nketiah. He's more developed, he's more matured, he's more senior than Nketiah, and that shows in his games. Um, he also spreads his goals across more matches as well. But uh, you're right, Godwin, in the sense that Arteta needs a striker that needs to do more. And neither Nketiah nor Tony have, in my view, those um, they don't have those qualities. So it becomes much trickier uh, to achieve. Um David says, uh, sorry if this has already been brought up. Oh, you don't need to apologize. Uh, but do you think Arteta has a less favorable opinion of Vieira now, possibly the beginning of the end? No, I don't think so. I think Arteta accepts that some players do make mistakes. Uh, it's when they make those mistakes over and over and over again that it becomes a problem for Arteta. So, no, I don't think that red card would have changed too much in the mind of Arteta. But I could be wrong. I, I don't think it would have changed too much in the mind of the coach, to be fair. Um Archie says, Tom, why did you keep the channel name TGT? Uh, I remember seeing you on as a guest back in the day, and I can't remember the old host name. Craig, Craig is, is who hosted it. Why did I keep the channel name? Uh, I didn't even, I, I'd never even thought about changing it. Um, a lot has changed about the channel since 20, 2015, 2016, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just kept it the same. I didn't need to change it. Um, I like it. I like the name. Uh, it, it was obviously people knew about it. So that was obviously a good foundation. So, yeah, I didn't need to change it. Um, but we've been doing this seven years now. You know, it's, uh, it's we've been doing this a really, really long time. And uh, we might be going through some even the biggest. I, I think that personally in the next year, you might see the biggest change. And my prediction is that you'll see the biggest change that you've ever seen on this channel will be coming in the next year. Um, don't worry, we're not changing uh, you know, nothing's nothing's going anywhere. Uh, the 8 a.m. shows aren't going anywhere, that's for sure. As long as I have my way, they will always exist. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I have to I have to say um, that I'd never ever considered changing the name. Um, it was never a thought that that crossed my mind because it was almost, if anything, it was almost like the channel has been. It was always there for some people in, as their first interaction. Imagine like, imagine if it's the first Arsenal channel you ever came across and, and Craig was hosting the show. And obviously I might have been a guest on some of the ones that you might have seen. And it was your first ever Arsenal show. Imagine if you like, you got really attached to that. And then some guy comes in, takes over because, you know, for those, I'm, I'm very open and always have been about what happened with the channel. You know, Craig was in a position where he didn't want to, he couldn't, you know, do it. And he wanted to spend more time and family and things like that. So, and he asked if I wanted to keep it going. And I said, yeah, sure. And 
the rest is history. Um, but yeah, imagine if it was your first Arsenal chat. You watch, and all of a sudden, this guy comes in, changes the name, changes everything. You know, I feel like if anything, it was a respect to what Craig had started um, by keeping the name as is. Um, so yeah, if I just come in and call it the Tom Talk, I mean, who's going to listen to that? No one. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Um, TGT forever, whatever the weather. Yes, that that is our slogan. It's I, it's not. We don't have a slogan. I guess we do. I guess it's as always up the Arsenal is probably our slogan. Uh, Fahim says, "What's your favorite Italian dish?" Calcio Pepe uh, is my favorite. It's without question, the best one that there is. Uh, Calzoni is also great. Sin, yes, it very much is. DMD says the deflect effect. Have I deflected from a question? I don't think I've deflected from a question, have I? Um, or maybe you're talking about the City uh, charges, maybe potentially that's what you're on about. Uh, forever an Arsenal fan says Spurs could lose every game this month and they'd still probably find a way of giving Ange manager of the month. <laughs> Very much so, my friend. Uh, Mark, good to see in the chat box, mate. Uh, I hope you'll be attending our live show on the 22nd of February. I know Mark loves a live event, so I'm hoping that he's going to come along. Uh, would you like to see Florian Verts at Arsenal? It's difficult to see Arsenal adding another attacking midfielder, to be honest, isn't it? Because we've got so many. Odegaard, Smith, Rowe, Vieira, Havertz. I suppose Trossard could also play there. I suppose you could, you know, we've got obviously young players coming through, Ethan O'Neary. So it's very difficult to see us signing like a Florian Verts. I can't see that happening. Just, just not, yeah, I really can't see that happening. Um, Fahim says, very simple, man. I like it. You got to keep things simple. You don't want these complicated things. You know, when you start complicating things, it's more likely things can go wrong. So, catch your Pepe, it's just going to steer you in the right direction. Um, SJ says, um, lol, my pet Spuds fan, uh, now is a now and big and sacked and going into meltdown. Hilarious. I was trying to read that and understand it. Um, if they want and sacks now, goodness me, they're in for a wild ride. A very, very wild ride. RKM says, and Tom, finally, since you were channeling your inner Andrew, would you rather be forced to eat chill, chilled tomatoes on waffles or wear a Spurs shirt? Obviously, eat the chilled tomatoes on waffles. Like There are very, very few things, if any, that would make me pull that monstrosity on. It was actually like a rule at my stag do because I have a few Spurs friends. Yeah, it's a terrible admittance, I know. Um, but I have a few Spurs friends, and I I said categorically, I'm like, look, it's pretty it's pretty open, this stag do, but you can't you can't put a you cannot put a Spurs shirt on me. It's just no. I was like, with you know, with the channel, with the following, with the job, I I can't have a picture. I can't have anyone with a picture of me with a. It's just the meme. I don't need that meme. I don't need to be in like a debate with a Spurs fan and they can just whip that out. I don't. Need, I don't need that in existence. So yeah, no, not at all. Um, T Fisher says Tom, that was a really inappropriate response. Embarrassing to what? What are you talking about? Is it the tomato question? Maybe it was a tomato question. <laughs> um, T Alina says Tom, do you think Eddie will leave? Uh, I think eventually, yes. I think he will probably go. Um, so, yes, I, I do think he will probably move on. Uh, Mark says, I do love a live event, Tom, and I will defo be at the next one. I'll bring some cakes. Oh, I love, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll eat as very little of it as I can. Still going to be on the diet by then. You know, as uh, a friend of mine sent me a video. Uh, I, I don't know I'm being coy about it. Owen, Owen Young, you know him from our Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat. He sent me the video today of the, um, for those that have been listening to the channel for a, a little while, you know, I made like an edit of, kind of a compilation, if you like, of the channel up until I got my my job uh, in 2020, in last year, 2022. Um, and it was kind of just trying to raise my spirits a little bit. And he said, watch this and just smile about it. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> like, I just remember watching it back and seeing um, when it fades away and it's just me talking a year ago. And I'm like, it did make me realize, actually, you know, when I put the kind of the picture of me side by side with what I looked like a year ago, I can see like it's working. So I'm, I am very happy with the progress that we've made. And I talk about it very openly and honestly on our fitness podcast, the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast. It, yeah, I was really anti, you know, not anti, but just I was lazy, just lazy, weren't doing enough and very happy to to commit to it. And I think it has certainly certainly helped um yuna said did you see endo's tackle today in my opinion it's far more dangerous than vieira's but it wasn't even a yellow okay i'm gonna be a bit con controversial here i don't think that was a red card 
And I don't think I want to see that challenge given a red card. I think it's one of those where like those those types of those types of tackles are going to happen in games 50-50s going for the balls like they, I don't think I want to see red cards given for that so I wasn't I wasn't upset with that challenge I think the Vieira one is always going to give you a a red card because the foot's coming down the studs are showing in that sense in a downward motion whereas the sliding tackle it's kind of a, it was a horizontal kind of motion it's different um so yeah, uh, I, I think um, I, I don't think I want to see that as a red card. I really, really don't. Um, let's go up a little bit more. Archie says, "Bring back the foals intro." I, you know, I'd love to, but it's it's more it's more about like copyright and stuff like that. You know, you could, I know there's kind of like fair use and like the amount of time that music plays for, but you don't want to get into that. Like we have. Um, what do they call it? Royalty free music. Um, I say that I bought it. I bought the the, the rights to use the music we have uh, in the intros. Yes, I did find the, the most drama based one I could find, and even then, it's pretty tame. Um, but uh, yeah, but I love foals. People know I love foals as long as well as drama based. Very different types of music, but uh, yeah, you got you got, you got to love the runner. Excellent, excellent track if you've not listened to it it's on fifa you probably heard it uh, i knew it way before it was on fifa um but the runner by rolls is an excellent excellent track and then it says tom where do you do your streams uh stream yards uh, stream yards what we use and it's never let us down has it guys never i'm definitely not lying no this isn't the face of someone that's 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 not telling the truth uh it's never let us down stream yard is great i love it I really wish I wasn't married to the idea of never using anything else like I absolutely am because uh, I'm stubborn. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, the stream yard is, where we, is what we use to, to stream stuff. Uh, and Front Row says, Albatross remains the best Foles song. And I can't disagree too much. I love that tune as well. It is, I mean, Wake Me Up is, was, was at my, played at my wedding. So I have a, obviously an attachment to that. But Albatross is probably the next one along. Uh, for those that like, now they're like, this is an Arsenal podcast. Why aren't you talking about what are you talking about foals for? That's what people are going to be saying in the comment section. Uh, Marks has agreed, Tom. Two feet leaving the ground is different, um, but I love the art of a good sliding tackle like Saliba has done in the last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, if you give Endo a red card for that challenge, it's like you're saying you can't slide tackle anymore. Like, I don't think that should be... I just don't think that it should be a uh, a red. It's just no way. No way that it should be a red card at all. It just, it just shouldn't. Um... And says, Tom, what is the title of the intro tune for the channel? Um, it's a great question. It doesn't have like a, it doesn't have a name. I mean, I have it on my other laptop as a file. Send me an, send me a, a DM on socials and I'll, I'll find it for you if you're desperate. Ant. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like a weird royalty free track. So it's not like an easy track and artist type thing. So there you go. Um Let's go to and it says Tom. I saw you yesterday outside the army. That's not creepy at all. <laughs> I saw you. Uh, yes, that's. I often go past the armory because it's where the the media entrance is. Uh, Anasimo says I think we're okay in the uh, decision because we won. I don't think no contact challenges deserve a red. If he got him, that uh, would have been DF deserved. Is that? I don't know. Um, again, yeah, I, I just don't think Endo deserved a red card for that for that challenge. Uh, whatsoever um and aware is pointing out they've been going for an hour thank you for pointing that out that is an incredibly long time and we probably should stop there so if anyone doesn't want us to stop you can message aware and say he stopped the show um <laughs> i'm only joking I'll leave him alone. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to talk with you as it always is i'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m bright and early i promise there will be an 8 a.m show unless something mad happens um but uh yes there i am planning to do an 8 a.m show so thank you so much everybody uh for listening for tuning in it's always appreciated your support is always unrivaled and extremely appreciated um so if you could drop a like and subscribe uh i and uh the channel community of course would appreciate it i as you can see i'm in a better mood today than i have been uh, i've had a very i've had a weekend that is, is just perked me up a bit more last week was terrible and as i say i'm probably gonna be able to talk about the reasons as to why it was uh soon and i'm probably gonna have some down moments again in the next um month and a bit so and as i say when i can talk about the reasons behind it all i will um but uh it just it sucks at the moment and there's i wish i could i just you know when you're in that thing where you just kind of want to scream into a pillow but you actually you don't you want to scream out your window 
it's been like that a little bit recently. So I hope that I can bring it to you and talk to you about it more uh, soon. But uh, yeah, let's uh, uh, let's focus on the positives, which was that it was a great weekend of football. Arsenal won. Spurs embarrassed themselves. City dropped points. Manchester United only scraped by Luton. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think you've got to focus on the positives, didn't you? You've got to focus on... There's there's more to life than Arsenal. There's more to life than foot believing. You'll be surprised to hear me say. Um, spend time with family and friends and it really, really does help your mood. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for listening. I will see you, as I said, tomorrow morning, bright and early at 8am. Have a fantastic rest of your evening, day, afternoon, morning, wherever you happen to be in the world. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.